0: Believe it or not, finding the right safe for your needs is an art, and the staff
1: at Colorado Safe Outlet has mastered it. Their team takes pride in their no-up-sale mentality and allow the customer to make an informed decision while never being rushed.
0: I would 100% recommend them to a friend because you really never think about how important having a good safe is until, you know, something bad happens. They're the best brands available, like uh, Superior and Champion, and they just had really exceptional service and knowledge, which I haven't really received from big box retailers in the past.
1: The Colorado Safe Outlet is looking for a new installer. Drab requires clean record, no felonies, clean cut, strong build, and reliable transportation. Wages start at hourly, but will quickly go to salary if you're fit for the job please call Drew Weaver at
0: 303-333-7233 and check out Colorado Safe Outlet today. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curbs from
1: my high The best part of the week and a perfect stranger As they become friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the BSN Broncos podcast on this Tuesday edition. I'm your host Zach Stevens, joined by my main man Andre Simone. Andre, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great. Sun is out, snow is gone. Loving it,
1: man. We survived this blizzard that came out of nowhere, kind of, kind of hit us so hard yesterday. Shut down the city for about eight hours and now man it seems like there's a like the coldest cold front ever sweeping the country i saw something where chicago's supposed to be like negative 35 tomorrow with the wind chill yeah what what that is that is absolutely wild but andre before we jump into the show i need to tell you about strava craft coffee we have this awesome deal for bsn listeners if you use the code bsn 2018 you get a discount with them and this stuff is great this is cbd infused coffee and it not only tastes incredible but it can relieve everyday aches and pains anxiety migraines and so much more i know a lot of people at the office use it uh, and swear by it so make sure you check them out that strava craft coffee use the code bsn 2018 all right andre before we get into some coaching news, man, I just had I just had the coolest thing happen this weekend. So we got back uh, fr- from the Senior Bowl on Saturday after spending Friday in New Orleans. And Sunday, I haven't shared this with you yet, but Sunday, I had my favorite musical artist show up at my house, get out, and play his his his, his uh, soon to be released album for me. His name's Quinn ninety two. It was the most surreal experience. It was so cool. So I am riding wow. on this high because last week was awesome. This weekend was awesome. And now we get to do pods together this week.
0: Loving it. I love that uh, us being able to do podcasts together is comparable to that. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dre, you're high, you're high in my book. It was awesome. So I just want to give a shout out to Quinn92 for doing that. It was, it was way too cool. All right, Dre, let's jump in to this coaching staff obviously we've known the, the majority of this coaching staff for about a week now mm-hmm. last week at the end of the week when we were in mobile alabama covering the senior bowl the broncos officially introduced their three coordinators of course tom mcmahon is a carryover from last year right. and they introduced and we got to meet the offensive coordinator rich scangarello and the defensive coordinator ed donatel and we learned a, a lot about both of these guys. But really, the guy that everyone wants to know about is Rich Gangarello. Of course, not much is known about him. Andre, yeah. his Wikipedia page is two sentences. It actually his, his...
0: didn't exist before the Broncos hired him. I know because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was trying my hardest to do research on all these guys. He was the only one in my like coach hotboard board of the 10 potential candidates to be coordinators that didn't even have a Wikipedia page. So oh that tells you God. how much of an unknown he was, yeah.
1: That that is absolutely absurd, and he's still missing a photo on there. And uh, Andrea, I know you're familiar with with the way on or the way Ryan and I uh, judge people is what their w- Wikipedia photo is like. Right. And, and of course, Nick right. Boland's, the a disciple of Rich Scangarello, his Wikipedia photo has a crossbar in it. It's as grainy as as rice. It it is incredibly bad. <laughs> And Rich Gangrela doesn't even have a photo. So this guy really is the ultimate wild card. Uh, And we've talked about it. Probably of those 10 people that you looked at that could have have become the Broncos' offensive coordinator, he probably has the lowest floor, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. No one comes from a more diverse background. No one has probably less NFL experience and no one was kind of less of a buzzy name, if you will, Coming into this, but, you know, uh, obviously the Broncos think very highly of him. And I know I think all of us, not to jump the gun here, but all of us felt a lot better after you got an exclusive uh, with Kyle Shanahan. And I know Ryan is going to pump out here a piece on having talked to some of the 49ers, other offensive um, assistant coaches who've worked closely with Scangarello. And I mean, the more you hear from it about him from people who work closely with him, the more impressive he is. But he is kind of a guy who, you know, you gotta, you gotta go to a direct source. the The internet was unaware of him, but the I think that the, you know, the more underground coaching NFL world certainly was.
1: And speaking of going to a direct source, it is crazy how Rich got his foot in the door. Of course, we know uh, he he took a massive pay cut and a huge demotion uh, going from Northern Arizona as their offensive coordinator a few years ago to work under Kyle Shanahan to to, to learn his system even more as pretty much an intern with the Falcons a few years ago. We've talked about that story, but one thing we found out was Vic Fangio did not know who Rich Scangarello was one year ago from today, He had no idea who he was until Rich reached out to Vic Fangio at the Combine and said, Hey, I'm trying to meet as many people uh, in the NFL that I admire and just want to meet you. Can, can we meet up at the Combine? The two met, and according to both of them, they hit it off right away. Andre, less than one year later, Vic Fangio hires him to be his offensive coordinator. I think hitting it off... Is a little bit of an understatement. That is that is absolutely wild. That's something that you hear of, uh, and then a head coach hires him to be, you know, an assistant offensive line coach. Ten months later, that that's that makes sense to be his offensive coordinator. I mean, how incredibly impressive must Scangarello have been? And then the two a few months after that, after they hit it off in Indianapolis. The two met up uh, when Vic Fangio was on vacation in the Bay Area, of course, where Rich Gangarello lived when he was working right. for the 49ers. Um, and they played around to golf uh, and just, again, had a great time. So this is someone who impresses right away, but also he's a guy that impresses over the long term. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. It seems like this is going to be. A Kyle Shanahan 2.0 or you know, Kyle Shanahan B type of offense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you know, that's you can check out our film breakdown on him. And you'll see that we we broke down some Wagner tape and saw the kind of more collegey concepts that he ran um, in in his one year as an offensive coordinator and play caller after really getting his hands on the Shanahan playbook and getting schooled from Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta in that, you know, internship-type role that he was in that you just talked about. But aside from that, and, you know, really you can even see that he was, even the 49ers ran some college-type stuff. I've got a gif in there of them running, you know, a straight-up RPO Uh, Style play down in the red zone with C.J. Beathard, who isn't really mentioned as one of the two quarterbacks that he helped perform at a high level. Uh, We talk about Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo as a bunch, but not so much about Beathard. But even Beathard performed pretty well, all things considered. And you know he, um, so you'll you'll see more of the college type concepts, but really it's going to be. It's going to be Kyle Shanahan's offense, and which is really Gary Kubiak's offense, only it's kind of Gary Kubiak's offense 2.0, uh, a little more modern concepts, a little more of what you see with McVay. where they'll run some of the, you know, same personnel sets, kind of give you the same pre-snap looks over and over. Uh, mix in some motions and misdirections and jet sweep fakes and stuff like that. Always trying to keep the defense off balance, always trying to keep the defense on their toes. And then just when you think like, oh, we've seen this look before, it's just a jet sweep fake, all of a sudden that's where they hand it off on the jet sweep. Or that's where they'll fake the jet sweep handoff. They'll fake a handoff to the running back, two two different fakes, and then they'll go play action where your second-line defenders, your linebackers and safeties are frozen because they have to respect those two fakes, and all of a sudden the play-action breaks wide open. That's, for example, George Kittle's big touchdown against the Broncos where he got wide open. That was really a product of that type of misdirection. Not even pre-snap, it's misdirection right as the snap is unfolding within the first second or so, and then they can strike. It was really... Um, intriguing to see how many touchdowns, especially against the AFC West, I must say, because I went and rewatched just about all those games against uh, Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos, where actually the Niners um, averaged more points than in their season average, and definitely averaged almost a touchdown more than the Broncos had during the season against the Broncos division rivals, and they played against all four last year. And you could really see how many wide open touchdowns that scheme is able to produce with all that misdirection and confusion and stress it puts on the linebackers and safeties. And really, I'm I'm disappointed the Bears didn't get to play the Niners this year because it would. I can see why Vic Fangio likes this scheme because it would be the perfect kind of defense to really attack. It'd be the perfect kind of offense rather to really attack. Vic Fangio's zone heavy defense, where you ask a lot out of your linebackers and safeties. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting marriage. And, you know, all the all the, the playbook that Scangarello will bring with him between what he's learned and implemented in his time at Wagner and what he learned in his time at San Francisco will be very important. It'll be a great playbook. We have very little doubt about that. How he'll be able to set defenses up and find a rhythm as a play caller, you know, be be good in establishing, you know, the right play calls for the right situation, playing good situational football. That's gonna be the more interesting part because, you know, as an NFL play caller, he's very green. He's never had experience before.
1: Yeah, and Dre, first off, I mean, that film room that you did on Scangarello was unreal unmatched not not just by anyone in the denver market but you can't find stuff like that anywhere around the country it was absolutely amazing so when our site gets back up and rolling which will be uh hopefully today you guys all have to make sure that you subscribe and that you go in and check that film room out because it'll really it'll show you not just tell you it'll show you what this offense looks like and his take scangarello's take on his offense Uh, was this last week. He said, philosophically, my roots have always been in the zone run system that Kyle Shanahan has run. I started that with my first mentor, my first coach that I worked with, Tom Cable, and it evolved over the years. I see an offense that's willing to take shots, one that's aggressive but is detailed in every way, one that takes care of the football, that empowers its players to be the best they can be by putting them in a position to be successful. I think our offense empowers the quarterback to have success and can adapt to his skill set. As we build this as a group, as a staff, I'm looking forward to doing that. I think we can make that happen. So here's what I take from that is you're right. It is really rooted in Gary Kubiak and Kyle Shanahan. But it's, it's, it's funny because the Broncos interviewed Kyle Shanahan a few years ago, could have had this in their system. John, of course, chose right. to go with Vance Joseph instead. Then just a few weeks ago, it was believed Gary Kubiak was going to be the offensive coordinator, or at least he was going to be controlling the offense. So it's clear John Elway has always wanted this offense back, and now he gets what should be uh, a forward-thinking type of this offense. So yes, when Vic Fangio was asked what this what this offense look like, he said, I like the run game, the play-action game and the deceptives off of it. That's the groundwork of what Scangarello has been around and believes in we will evolve the rest of it based on our young players going forward. And I think he'll be very flexible and knowledgeable in that area. So that, that we really are going to have an emphasis on evolving this type of offense. And I think that's exactly what John Elway wanted when he wanted to make Gary Kubiak, the offensive coordinator And I think when Gary said, okay, well I'm bringing in all of my assistants that I've worked with me for the past few decades, John said, whoa, no, no, no. We don't want it to be the exact same offense that you ran the past two decades. We want, we want some, we want your ideas with some fresh thinking. And really that's exactly what, what you're getting in Rich Scangarello.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why this, um, this has so much promise to it really. Uh, but, but we'll see, you know, uh, I think Kubiak's mentality in a lot of ways was, look, everyone, uh, the Packers just hired Matt LaFleur, Sean McVeigh is the hottest name in coaching, he's basically using just, you know, our saint, the, the bare bones are my offense that Kyle Shanahan showed him in Washington, and he's the most successful and brightest offensive mind in the game, all he's done is implement a few more motions pre-snap and misdirections, you know, if it, if, it's, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I'm sure is Gary, was Gary Kubiak's motto. And I'm sure he'll still end up having some success. But yeah, the, the Broncos wanted to modernize it. And I think where Skangarell and Kubiak are really different is in that ability to A, adapt to their quarterbacks. And I think what's, what Skang's, we, in fact, we got to figure out a nickname for him. Um, I've been trying (laughs) Skangs out, but I don't know if that works all that well. We could just call him Rich from time to time, but, you know. eh. Um, You know, Dre,
1: that's what I used to do was I just exclusively went with Rich. Then I looked myself in the mirror for about uh, three hours and just practiced his last name. So now that I got that down, I'm okay with just going with the Skangarella. although I'll probably find out I'm pronouncing it wrong anyways.
0: Well, and I know for us in Alabama, he became Scangarelli at one point, kind of like Cinderella. Uh, so, so, you know, we're trying out different things. But it really comes down to the ability to adapt to a quarterback. And while Scangarelli not telling us everything, like uh, like Jared Stitham told you, he doesn't want to give away all the secrets right away. Uh, but um, he, I think what he means by that. Is how they're able to simplify the offense. You could really tell that. Uh, they simplify the offense. It's, it's designed to confuse defenses, but make it easier for quarterbacks to operate in, to see, you know, that it, it creates for more wide open receivers. It creates, you know, an RPO type looks or play action type looks. You're really just reading one or two routes and trying to get the ball out quickly while attacking vertically, which is what he talked about. And I think that's an issue, you know, if if you got deep into that locker room and you wanted to talk about uh, kind of some of the problems that Kubiak had when he was the head coach in Denver, it was that he was a little stubborn with the not wanting to change the verbiage, not wanting to adjust all the way. Even when Peyton Manning was there, uh, you know, it's the big reason why aside from just being a better quarterback, but it's probably the main reason why Trevor Simeon won the quarterback job over Paxton Lynch was that they weren't willing to simplify the offense. They wanted someone who could run as much of it as possible as uh, as God intended for the Kubiak offense to be ran. And that's what is going to be better at, is be more flexible, being being better at adjusting, and not just to the quarterback. I think he's really going to try and do that for the entire offense. So, you know, in all this, he's going to fight an uphill battle with the talent the team currently has. A a talent upgrade at several positions needs to be um, implemented this offseason, and that's certainly not news to you or anyone listening to us.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that, and I know some people get a little nervous when they hear this is going to be a Gary Kubiak offense, especially what you saw in the two years where Gary Kubiak was the head coach and essentially the offensive coordinator here in his most recent stint, and people say, oh my gosh, it's going to be boring. Well, the two things that Skangrela really emphasized was the offense was going to take shots and be aggressive. So again, it's a, it's a version of that, but it's going to be a different mindset from the play caller. Which, uh, which I think should should at least be encouraging to everyone. All right, Trey, we have some breaking news coming down the wire right now, and that is the Broncos pretty much have their coaching staff finalized right now, except for one or two positions. The biggest one that remains vacant is quarterback coach. And today, according to Mike Kliss, the Broncos are interviewing T.C. McCartney for that vacant quarterback coach position, of course, T.C. McCartney is the grandson of former CU legend Bill McCartney wow. and the son of uh, of the former CU quarterback, Saul. So this is, I mean, what a story. If they bring him in today and hire him, Bill McCartney is absolutely beloved um, by everyone at CU. I know Ryan will absolutely love this. And there's a connection with Uh We've talked in the past, we've joked in the past about who are Scangarello's guys that he's going to bring in? And he he had no guys really well. this is one of the few guys he had. and when, when I say guys, I mean someone who worked who, who worked under him, um, being a quarterbacks coach, there's not many people that work under you, except TC McCartney with San Francisco last year, was an offensive assistant, so he knows him, he's familiar with him right uh, and, and you know Matt Russell went to see you. So they have many connections to T.C. McCartney, whether it's knowing Bill uh, and knowing his family and knowing uh, him as a, as a kid growing up uh, or whether it's, you know, Rich just working with him last year.
0: Yeah, that's great. And actually, in a piece that will be running uh, by the time that you hear this, Ryan sat down and talked to T.C. McCartney, was one of the assistants from the 49ers that he got a few quotes on uh, Rich Scangarello, so now that that has even more relevance if he's going to be the Broncos' potential next offensive coordinator. So that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, and I want to talk about just exactly what Scangarello has in mind for the quarterback position, but let's do that after I tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, And it's really a game-changer when it comes to coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and non-psychoactive. The coffee is rich in taste and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. So check them out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2018 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Again, that code is BSN2018. All right, Dre, a quick a quick note right here is, uh, the is uh, we're upgrading our site right now, uh, and when this drops, it'll probably be upgraded, and that's the reason we've had a delay on uh, Monday's pod and potentially today's pod. So just hang with us uh, once we get this site launched, uh, and when you're listening to this, we'll be up and going, and we'll be back on our normal schedule of giving you a pod. Uh, every morning. And of course, stay tuned to Friday's draft pod where boy, this is the season. This is the season for the draft pod. Yep. Of course, it's something I always tune into, but now this is must listen podcast. So I can't wait to hear that this Friday, but before we get there, Dre, in terms of the quarterback, Scangarello was of course yes. asked what he thinks of case Keenum. John Elway, of course has not given him a ringing endorsement this year. Um, Vic Fangio, when he was introduced as head coach, did not give him a ringing endorsement. He said, he's my quarterback right now. Rich Gangarello gave him the best endorsement of all three of those guys. Here's what he said. um, Here's what he said uh, about Case. Let, Let me pull it up. I'm excited to work with Case. We were not in the market for a quarterback in San Francisco last year, but he was a free agent, and I did my due diligence on him. He played really outstanding in Minnesota. He was a big part of helping them get to where they got in that AFC championship game. He's gritty. He's a winner. He's competitive. You can see that on the film. I think our system, and I think you can see that based with Kyle's history, that's what I believe as well. In San Francisco, where I was directly coaching those guys, each guy is a little unique, and you have to adapt to them. I see traits that we can help Case be the best that he can be. That's our job as an offense, the players around him, and to really empower him to play confident like he was in Minnesota. Continue to keep that going and no doubt help him be the best that he can be. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was the best endorsement that he has, but by no means does he say Case is our guy, no questions asked. We're rolling with Case. He certainly leaves the door open uh, for you know the Broncos to make a quarterback move this offseason, just like all of us believe they will.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Case, the offense, Pat Shermer's offense that he succeeded in in Minnesota is more of a Deacon dunk West Coast offense with some really crisp route runners in Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen on the outside. This is going to be slightly different, but Case does have some mobility. He can do that play-action game that Scangarello and Shanahan and Kubiak and so on and so forth love to implement. Uh, He actually did a pretty good job on deep balls. Uh, He might not have the greatest zip and velocity on his arm, and I think that shows up when he's trying to attack the middle of the field or in tight windows to the sideline on timing throws. But he can take his shots downfield. I think he was middle of the league in uh, completions over 20 yards and completions over 40 yards. So again, that fits Scangarello's more aggressive mentality of wanting to take shots. So there's a lot that he can do or has already done in the past that will fit this offense pretty nicely and will allow him to be you know, a decent bridge quarterback or even a backup if uh, they want to take him, you know, if they want to keep him. But certainly it's not like this hire was made so that Case Keenum had an offense that was adapted to him, it, but it happens to be a pretty good fit for Case, so they're going to try and make that
1: work. Absolutely, yeah, and, and I do believe they will make a move likely in the draft to bring in another quarterback, but I still believe the case will be the quarterback this year. Uh, And when, when OTAs open up, he'll be the starter. Uh, And, and I, I agree with you. I think this offense will fit case a lot better than last year's offense. And and he will be better under this offense. Uh, And and I think that that's the direction that, that they're going to go. Uh, Vic Fangio later in that press conference touched on just how rich Gangrello really is a quarterback groomer. And he said it starts with his coaching abilities and his teaching abilities. Then he, he mentioned CJ Beathard, Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you give this guy, uh, the highest paid quarterback in league history and Jimmy Garoppolo and he's able to work, uh, work wonders with him. You give him Nick Mullins, a guy that, that Scangarello himself identified in the draft process. Then he convinced Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to bring him on board and then, once he had to play, he Nick Mullins had a fantastic season for being a rookie coming-in relief effort. And a lot of that, a lot of that, including when I talked to Kyle Shanahan last week, was because of Skangarello. So maybe it's a quarterback at 10. Maybe, I know people don't want to hear this, maybe it's a quarterback in the fifth round that is just Scangarello's guy and he works with. But for right now, it does seem like case will be that guy all right Trey. let's jump on the other side of the ball and and talk about a few things ed donatel the defensive coordinator had to say now this is an interesting one because this isn't ed donatel's defense uh there's a reason rich scangarello leads off our show today and is the, the biggest talk when it comes to the broncos three coordinator positions is because that's his unit he's controlling that he's taking control Uh, On the other side, though, this is Vic Fangio's defense. This is the head coach's defense. Uh, Ed Donatel is is there to help him. And what what I really found out from last week, from what Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio said, was how how well Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel work together. And what I got from this was there was no question that once Vic Fangio was hired, he was going to do everything in his power to make sure that Ed followed him over to Denver and made sure that Ed uh, became a Bronco for the third time in his, in his career. And let me just read you a little quote uh, that, that they said last week. He said, we came together in San Francisco and saw immediately that we saw football kind of the same. Of course, talking about Ed and Vic. My experience came from the back end uh, and his is more on the front end. And I just knew this is a relationship that I kind of wanted to be a part of for a long time. As he talked about before, our defense has evolved and we've done it together. It's a really good partnership. We're excited about it and where it goes from this point on. So that was, of course, Ed talking about his relationship with Vic. And Ed is a defensive backs coach. He's a secondary coach. He's been that his entire career outside of a few stints as defensive coordinator with the Falcons and Green Bay. And Vic, of course works with the guys up front, works with uh, the the linebackers, the inside guys, the outside guys has also done uh, a bit of line work, and he's been a defensive coordinator. So he has a very well-rounded experience. But this, I, I like the way the dynamic's going because Vic is going to be calling the plays, but Vic's really going to be working with the front part of the defense, and Ed's going to be working with the back part. And since they've worked together in Chicago and San Francisco the past eight years, they know each other. Uh, in terms of a learning curve of getting to know each other, that's not going to be there. And I just, I, I love that because typically you're talking about, okay, new coaching staff is going to take one or two years to get to know each other, at least not at this level with these two coaches.
0: Right. And I think, um, you know, experienced guy who's had, this will be his fourth stint as a defensive coordinator in the league. He already has seven years of experience prior to this. Uh, and, you know, at, Look with Fanjo's experience in coaching linebackers and Donatel's experience in coaching up the secondary; those are the two areas that really need to be addressed on this defense. Um, you know, no offense to Bill Collar, who's obviously amazing as a defensive line coach, but I mean, I could coach up uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to get me 20 sacks combined. You know, uh, it doesn't—that's not the toughest task the The tough task here is more on the back end of that defense, where we've seen a major fall off the last couple seasons. So that's uh that's really should be the biggest priority, and kind of these two hires and this uh, marriage between Fangio and Donatel uh, should should play you know a huge role in trying to restore the Broncos' back seven in coverage.
1: Yeah, and also. Um, with with this, he was asked, what is his defensive philosophy? And of course you you give the best answer possible and it's not necessarily what's going to happen, but he said essentially limit explosive plays and stress takeaways. And so he was asked, well, how do you get there? And he said fundamentals, something that Fangio has stressed as well and limiting mistakes, specifically pointing at penalties. So, so when you think of making big plays um, and limiting or making big plays on your end and limiting big plays. That that sounds like, of course, every defense wants to do that. But what's interesting is some defensive coordinators will come out and say, uh, we want to make sure uh, we're great on third down, that we're not giving up a lot of yards, uh, that we're not giving up a lot of points. No, he says we want to capitalize on big plays. And, and I like that. I, I, I really like that because when this defense was great in 2015, when it when it carried them to a Super Bowl, this defense was making plays all over the field and specifically at the right time, and they weren't allowing big plays. That was their uh, that that was their mo that year was make the play when it needs to happen. What's happened the past few years? The Broncos have been a good defense in some respects, uh, been good against the run some years, been great against the pass in other years after the 2015 season, but they have not been making plays, and that start that that's with Von Miller. That's with the linebackers. That's with uh, Chris Harris and a keep to leave when he was here. There were just no plays. So if Fangio and Donatel can draw up schemes where they're confusing opposing quarterbacks and they're bringing Chris Harris on blitzes and making plays, that could be the difference from taking this from, you know, an average defense or just above average defense uh, to to back to I don't want to say back to the Super Bowl 50 form, but back to a defense that that is dominant.
0: Yeah, and I think the philosophy is kind of you, you play possum, you force the offense to string together long drives and find these little holes in the defense, you know, force them to kind of kill you with a million paper cuts rather than one big blow. And as soon as they make one mistake, you got to capitalize and pounce on it and and flip the script on them. So that's really kind of the defensive philosophy Uh, sounds easy but it really that's why we talk about fundamentals are huge it requires a great teamwork you know it's more than uh, relying on great individual performances you're relying on everyone trusting each other everyone being in the right place at the right time everyone working in unison and if that happens then this will be a tough defense to to beat no matter what
1: yeah exactly and then Donatello was asked about Vic Fangio to and to give us a little insight on why he's ready for his first opportunity as a head coach even at age 60 and he he had a really interesting quote <coughs> excuse me that that I wanted to read and he said talking about Vic he said he has a great ability to frame problems and his ability to adjust that's where he separates himself from the competition there are going to be all kinds of new problems coming down the road and he can frame it, and he can get our staff and players directed on fixing it. And that is huge. That is huge. That That's something that probably doesn't blow a lot of general managers out of the water uh, in an interview process. When when he's asked, when Vic's asked in an interview, "What what's uh, your greatest strength? And let's say he gives that answer. Uh, a, a defensive, or a John Elway in a typical GM probably isn't blown away by that. But you know what? When you've had the coaching struggles that you've had the past two years and you've seen games lost because the game gets too fast for them and head coaches and their staffs don't know how to adjust um, specifically in-game and they don't know how to handle new problems thrown their way, well, then you lose games. And the Broncos certainly had that happen last year. There were a few games that were completely mismanaged, not just on Vance Joseph, but on Vance Joseph and his entire staff and that was that was crucial to them losing a few games the past few years now and and not just from what Ed Donatel said but I've heard that from from many people uh inc- including when um when Vic was with um was with San Francisco as their right. defensive coordinator with Harbaugh he Harbaugh gave him most of the in-game management and coaching responsibilities in terms of let me know when I should call a timeout let me know if I should challenge this or that so he has that experience and and for Harbaugh to give him that power that 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 just speaks volumes to that now I hear Ed say this I think it's incredibly encouraging
0: yeah that's really interesting and should tell you I mean just that he's more prepared than some people might make it out to be
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, as it should be, there's a lot of reason for optimism coming from this coaching staff. The familiarity with that Donatello and Vic Fangio is huge. That's something that that you can't buy. That's something that you can't coach. And with Rich Scangarello high upside and low floor, like we said, it should certainly be exciting. And, Andre, I want to talk to you about a quarterback that we've talked a lot about this past week. But I want to hear from our listeners and see what they have to say about Drew Locke. And I'll tell you what, it is juicy. It is polarizing. We'll do that on the other side of this break.
0: What's up guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, The Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern.
1: Welcome back into the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach Stevens rolling with Andre Simone with you this week while Ryan is in Atlanta covering the Super Bowl. Make sure you're following him and both of us on Twitter for all you need to know this week. Uh, Hopefully we get uh, Ryan on here, at least his thoughts about what's going on down there in Atlanta sometime this week. But, Dre, we talked last week all about Drew Locke. We talked about him yesterday. Of course, the Missouri quarterback that is quickly climbing the draft board ranks. And we wanted to know what you guys thought about potentially adding Drew Locke. So we made that our question of the week, presented by Sports Column. Make sure you go check them out there. A great location in the middle of downtown Denver. You can watch all the sports you could ever imagine. You could even shoot some hoop down there. It is such a cool place, so make sure you check out Sports Column. So we just put the question out there. How do you feel about the idea of the Broncos drafting Drew Locke? And, Dre, answers are all over the place, so let's get into them. Harry Urban says, I have purchased my ticket but have not yet boarded the drew lock train huh interesting interesting take there so harry's open to the idea of it but not sold on it and i think that's a very fair mindset to be right now look he had a great week at the senior bowl he really impressed we know john elway saw a game of his in person and was really impressed but Dre, I mean, what, what, where does Drew Locke rank in terms of your quarterback's big board right now?
0: Yeah, he'd uh, clearly be the third um, third best. I think there's a bit of a drop-off between the top two for that for me are Haskins and Murray, and I'm clearly higher on Murray than some. And then I think there's Drew Locke as kind of in a tier of his own. And then there's another pretty steep drop-off after Drew Locke to get to the next guy in line, which... I still need to make a little sense of after after that trip to Mobile and after the East-West Shrine game and that kind of stuff, but you know as the as the quarterback rankings start to really come into play, that's how I see it. I see him as clearly the third best quarterback, and with you know all the talent to make him a, a third round a first round hopeful, and uh, you know a legitimate first round candidate. And I think you know the top fifteen or top 10 even considering the position value and how uh, having a a quarterback under a rookie contract is uh, the most valuable thing that any NFL franchise can have right now that, you know, he, he certainly has done enough to warrant that kind of high a pick.
1: So Gary DeVolt comes in and, and, and says, I'm not sold on him as a top 10 pick. The back foot throws the arm angle doesn't really have pinpoint accuracy And he seems to hold on to the ball an awfully long time in the pocket. I've only seen his highlights, but those things concern me drafting him that high. Now, Dre, you've seen so much of his tape. Did Gary hit it on the head?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are some concerns with that, though the back foot stuff was more a thing that occurred, uh, you know, in the bowl game, which I know is when a lot of people were kind of tuned in to, to give Drew Locke a look. Uh, he talked to us about how um, his he had a new coordinator this year, a new offensive coordinator who kind of convinced him to stay at Mizzou and convinced them that he could be the right man to kind of groom him, given his, uh, Dooley is his last name, uh, given his former NFL experience, but that even though they changed a lot of things in the offense, Drew Locke stuck with his uh, footwork prior to, to 2018 and then halfway through the season kind of realized you know this old footwork of mine these old mechanics I need to adapt them to my new offense I need to switch things up so I think when you see that tape and his footwork looks backloaded and what have you you really I mean it's an astute observation but it's something that he acknowledged and it's part of him having to make a transition to slightly different uh footwork and mechanics halfway through last season
1: it was really funny last week drew actually really embraced the throwing off the back foot something that i think a lot of people would would give the answer that you kind of gave is you know i'm working on it i've I've been bouncing around uh that's something that i'm going to be able to fix instead he was asked what quarterback uh he embodies and, and tries to play after and, and would compare himself to and and he's put in a tough spot with a question like that. Uh, And he did give us an answer. He said, Aaron Rodgers, because of those back foot throws and being able to throw, um, you know, based off his arm strength, he's able to make any throw in any position. And that was his kind of argument for that. Now, certainly it's worked out well for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has good fundamentals. But when he's put in tricky spots, he can make those throws. So with Drew Locke, he's, he's shown that, Yes, he can make those throws and he's comfortable doing it, but I mean, Andre, you know it better than anyone else. You don't want your quarterback basing their game off off back foot throws and stuff. You just want them to be able to do it when they absolutely have to. And exactly. talking to talking to Drew, he's very comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, very confident in his arm, which I gotta say I like. I mean, he he's a guy who doesn't have a problem knowing who he is, you know. He understands that his greatest strength is his arm strength, and he's going to try to utilize that 100%. Now, we don't want him to be overconfident, but I think that that's an important trait. And if he can clean up some of those mechanics and use those off-balance throws when he needs to, good things will happen. If he forces it too much and gets sloppy with his lower body mechanics, that's going to lead to some, some poor throws, which, look, Regardless, as a rookie, as a first-time starter in the NFL, that's, that's going to happen no matter what It happens with everyone. Uh, there will be some growing pains. That's just part of the deal. As far as um, to our listener question, or you know, rather the answer to the question of the week on him taking too long, I think that's where watching highlights will kind of steer you the wrong way. Obviously, on some of the highlight throws that you're going to see, That's going to be throws where he has plenty of time in the pocket and he's making beautiful throws. But where he really improved this year, and we saw that progression even at the senior bowl where he really stood out, was when he is rushed, when he has to get rid of the ball quickly, he can do that. He can make the proper read and get the ball out on time and take what the defense gives him. And that is a major improvement that he's made this season as opposed to last season. That was a big knock on him Had he declared for the 2018 draft, him staying in school, credit to him, he's really cleaned that up. So that I'm less concerned about. The footwork is still a work in progress for sure.
1: This next one coming in from David Cornell. Very interesting. He says, uh, let, let me pull it up right here. He says, Will Greer, in my opinion, is a better option. Comparing the two throwing deep routes, locks wide receivers always reaching back or waiting. Greer's wide receiver always is reaching forward and keeping stride. I would go with Greer. Side note, Locke would be an upgrade from what we have now, though. Yeah, to completely agree that um, he he would be an upgrade and certainly be an upgrade in terms of optimism and excitement for this town. But what do you think about Will Greer being better than Locke?
0: Um, So to to be kind, to start off, I'll say that uh, another astute observation – Drew Lock, and this doesn't get talked about enough, but I've been trying to, you know, uh, bring this point home. Is while he's improved on, a, you know, in pressure, taking what the defense gives him, being just a more cerebral quarterback, and I think he's improved somewhat with his accuracy. He's definitely improved in going through his progressions and being much better at throwing uh, to a secondary reads. One problem with Drew Lock, which can be frustrating, is his deep ball placement. So that's that accuracy on, on deep throws. And it's exactly what uh, we're talking about here is how you know wide receivers might have to reach back. It's not leading them to perfection. That's an area where a lot can be a little frustrating because for a guy that throws the deep ball so well, you would like him to be a little more, more pinpoint accurate and more consistent on those. And, you know, uh, Will Greer had a great widespread offense. They put up a ton of stats. He had two quarter, two wide receivers that were at the Senior Bowl. He had uh, one of the best left tackles in the entire country. So that offense was built, and if you watch highlights of Will Greer, he'll impress you. If you watch the tape of Will Greer, he scares you because he's lacking zip on his arm, and he can be not only inconsistent, he also takes some make some boneheaded decisions. His footwork is really reckless. And he just throws the ball up for grabs. And we we saw his zip completely lacking in Mobile. And worst of all, in the game, he was regressing and making these terrible decisions, just throwing up wild kind of blind throws and hoping his wide receivers would come down to get him. And that's where Greer really scares me. So Greer isn't anywhere close to as naturally talented as Locke. And he also has probably he's not as polished and has more deficiencies. So I would definitely disagree on whether Locke is uh, whether Will Greer is a better pick than, than Drew Locke. And I think after most people coming away from Mobile would agree with us on that point.
1: Oh gosh, I don't know how you could draft Will Greer after giving that analysis. I don't know how you could draft him in in in, the, in day one or even day two. Oh boy, a lot of those words you said scared me. Right. next one coming in from Tyler Kincaid. He says, if that is who they believe is their guy, I'm for it. But don't draft him because we need a quarterback and he's better than the rest in this year's class. Tyler, I I completely agree with you here. And especially uh, the the way Tyler phrases it is that, uh, you know, he'd be the first first quarterback taken. So you're not going to trade up for this guy or at least absolutely do not trade up for this guy and draft him just because you need a quarterback. Do not do that. My my whole thing with quarterbacks is do anything you need to do to go get your guy with the key word there being your. Yeah, agreed. Next one coming in from Timothy Pierce. <laughs> Very simple. He says, I'd hate it. And that's – I understand that. There's a lot of people that – are very concerned with his accuracy specifically in the middle of the field and accuracy you know outside of uh what what's up top what what's in between the ears accuracy is probably what the second or third most important thing that you look for in a quarterback so I right I completely understand people being concerned I mean what what other reasons are there dre when you lock watch locks tape why you would understand people not liking this move
0: yeah I mean he's you know I I get it. Consistency is a concern. The fact that uh, his best tool as a you know a guy who can throw it deep can be so inconsistent is concerning. Uh, it's tough tape to analyze because he's playing in a spread out offense. But he's also you know it's kind of similar to Josh Allen last year where all the other teams he's going against are so much more talented than his. So it's a tough evaluation and. Uh, yeah, I mean, just in general, he's not going to jump off the page for you like some other guys. But, look, I mean, that's okay. As we, as I've compared him to other quarterbacks in the past, lots of people had questions about Deshaun Watson. Tons of people had questions about Patrick Mahomes and questions about Jared Goff and questions about Carson Wentz. Like, quarterbacks are tough to evaluate. They're never going to come in as finished products in, in this modern age of college football so there's always going to be some risk you need to take on, and as long as you've uh, vetted him properly, and you know what you're looking at, and you put everything into context, sometimes it takes a little courage. It takes taking a risk and just going for it and believing in a guy. And you know, when you when you pick the right guy, and and you picked right, it's a huge franchise-changing move. And when you don't, you know, you're you're kind of back to to the same spot where you started, which, hey, it's, it's not great, but it's also not a major setback sometimes. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get the reservations. I think in a class that's dominated by defensive players, he's certainly not the 10th best player in this draft. There's no doubt about that. But you need a quarterback. He's got the upside. He's made some major strides. Um, he seems to, you know, have it between the ears and see what you can do.
1: Will Morton chimes in and says, that's good and all, but you got to play him, dot, dot, dot. And here's the thing, Will, is I think that's a direct stab at the way they handle the Paxton Lynch situation. And I actually don't agree with that. I don't think just because you're a first-round pick, you should, you should play. Now, I think if you show enough, even if you're not as good as, let's say, a veteran Case Keenum or a guy like Trevor Simeon who's going to be sharp in practice – I think if you show enough, then you should play it and you're going to have the, the learning curve and the struggles uh, that come with being a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback uh, in case in case you let him sit for a year or something like that. But here's the thing. If you are like Paxton Lynch and you just think that you're going to be given an opportunity no matter what you do, so you don't try for it and you don't work for it and you don't put the hours in then no, I don't think you should play. Now, Paxton is was clearly an anomaly I mean, most of these guys, when they come in, they they do show enough to get the starting job, especially because teams aren't drafting quarterbacks in the top 10 picks when they already have a good quarterback on their team. No, they need a quarterback, so they want to go out and get one. So, Will, I agree with you where, you know, if you draft Drew Locke, he should probably play his rookie season, even if you keep Case Keenum on the team. But it shouldn't just be handed to him on a silver platter. Have him earn it a little bit.
0: Yeah, you got to earn it. I think that can be a key experience. And I think also learning from the sideline can be crucial as it was for Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. in their first years. You know, I think we we focus so much on Paxton Lynch, we forget that some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL did have the opportunity to learn from the sideline. And it actually paid, you know, huge dividends for them. So. I mean, there's there's lots of different sides to this. The important thing is that you bring him along, you develop him, and uh, I mean, I, I I concur. You said the rest, so I I won't uh, belabor the point.
1: All right, Dre. What do you think of this one coming from Chad Emery? He says, "Not good. So many other needs."
0: Wow, that's um. That's a hot take for sure. Um, and I mean, it's true. When you look at this roster, there are a ton of needs. But I would argue with some added cap room and a deep defensive draft class, you can certainly patch up a lot of those needs this offseason. The one need that you can't patch up is really quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. Who can be a guy that you build on, you know, your franchise can build off of for the next decade. And that's why quarterbacks are so important and not just, you know, finding the equivalent of a Case Keenum or even a Teddy Bridgewater, or Nick Foles or Flacco. Finding that young quarterback under a rookie contract who opens up a four year window of potentially getting the Broncos back into contention. That's so huge.
1: Yeah, and I agree with Chad. If you, in the sense where if you don't think Drew Locke's the guy, then yeah, you don't just get a quarterback to get a quarterback. You go out and you address defensive line, you address, um, you know, linebacker. You, there's so many places where there's great and deep depth in this draft that you can really help your team. But if you think this is the guy, then you absolutely go get him because if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. So that that's first and that's the first priority. Without A doubt next one coming in from sports bet funding. They say fans can only access so much information would pay to get the Intel that NFL staffs know, but don't share. Okay. That's interesting. And that's why you need to tune in to everything. Andre does. He is an absolute guru with stats, with film analysis. I mean that that's really what NFL staffs are getting is this, um, they, they they pay their own people, to break down the film like Andre does, and then Andre writes it uh in in English for us and <laughs> it, it makes it easy to understand. So really that's that's why you should absolutely subscribe to BSN is that's the closest thing you're gonna get outside of being in those buildings in the in the NFL.
0: And what I'll say about that is uh, you know, great point, so true. I think where the NFL process of scouting can get a little muffled is you have scouts and analytics departments working hard all year long in developing these great insights. And then you have a coach who's the decision maker, like a Kyle Shanahan, for example, or a GM who's the decision maker who might not have scouted year round. And they kind of think they know more. They watch three, four games, create an opinion on their guys. And that kind of throws out all that, you know all that research that's been done because uh Kyle Shanahan or Gruden or John Elway says you know what I watched the tape forget all that you guys didn't notice this and that's what mm. really matters and mm. uh that can muffle the the process a little and make it so that yeah the all those great resources get kind of flushed down the toilet
1: yeah that that's an excellent point there uh, next one coming in from Darren Jowers. He says F and A Cotton, F and A. So looks like they'd be happy for that. And another one, <laughs> Ryan Clayman chimes in, says I am pumped with a uh, GIF of a happy baby. So, so some positive responses coming in now. Mile High Mob chimes in and says, Big arm, decent mobility, great attitude, and a mindset to work to improve. Not a perfect quarterback, but fits Skane's system well. And if he signs off, who am I to disagree?
0: Wow, this guy's coming after my job. Well said, well said.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and the key for this is, so someone asked me yesterday, actually, I had a private conversation with a friend, and they said, Vance Joseph didn't have any input, or not a lot of input on his quarterbacks, on his personnel. That was all John Elway. Why do you think? that John is not just going to give power to Vic Fangio, but why is he going to give power and say to his offensive coordinator? And I said, well, that's, that's a really good point. And here's the thing about that is John needs someone to help him identify a quarterback. Scangarello has, has, has proven, he has a, a very good track record of not just developing young quarterbacks, but being able to find them just like he did with Nick Mullins. And I think John's going to want input now I don't think Scangrello is going to be making the final decision on a quarterback at all I don't think that's the case and I think if if John and Rich disagree well of course Elway's making the call without a doubt so it still is John's uh, baby but I do think he's going to be asking Rich uh Scangrello for a decent amount of input so I do think it's important uh Scane's Sk- input there all right next one coming in from Swaffer he says cautiously optimistic and i think that's a very fair viewpoint of drew Locke.
0: yeah totally i mean he's kind of a an unknown to some fans and even to people who've analyzed him it's like well he checks off a lot of boxes and has intriguing upside will it work out Eh, i don't really know i've seen guys similar to drew Locke not work out in the past i've seen guys who uh you know i was just as skeptical for the same reasons I'd be skeptical about Drew Locke. And they've worked out great. So you just got to take it with a grain of salt and be cautiously optimistic. Seems to be the right approach.
1: Tanner Lee taking a cautiously optimistic approach as well. He says, wouldn't love it, but wouldn't hate it. So kind of along those exact same lines. Anna coming in says, excited for whoever comes as the quarterback of the future. And I must say, Locke got me in the last month when I started reading about him and watching his tape. Still a Haskins girl, but if it's Locke, I'm in. And, Dre, that's kind of where you are, uh, not to put words in your mouth, right? No, absolutely. He's not your top guy, and and we're not talking about the Broncos having the number one pick in drafting Locke. We're talking about the Broncos sitting at 10, and maybe the third quarterback on the board is still there.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yep. Anna gets it. Uh, she's great. So uh, definitely, definitely agree. Great point by her.
1: Next one coming in from Broncast. They say, uh, someone stole my words. Oh, cautiously optimistic. Okay. So another cautiously optimistic. And like we said, that totally makes sense. Uh, one coming in from David Freeze. He says, if it takes more than one first rounder, leave him. If he falls to 10, then go for it, I guess. The QB class this year just isn't that exciting. And David, I totally understand what you're saying, but I couldn't disagree more. I couldn't disagree more. If he's your guy trade number 10 this year, trade a first round pick for next year to move up to number five, number six, number seven and draft him or trade, you know, three second rounders in order to move up three spots to get him. If you have to wait for him to fall for you. And if he's there, then you take him, then don't do that. Now, let, let's say we're talking about any other position then i agree with you you, you know if, if there's a wide receiver you love but you don't want to trade up for him because you don't love him that much and he falls to you well then yeah that's great grab him if he falls to you D- but don't don't mortgage the future on that but quarterback no if he's your guy do whatever you need to do to get him
0: yeah completely agree i mean sometimes you got to make those tough decisions and you know, without making the same examples as I have in the past, uh, it seemed risky to trade a future first for Deshaun Watson. Same with Patrick Mahomes and same with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. But you know that risk has has paid off for all those franchises.
1: Last response coming in from April. It's a GIF uh, of a lady laughing, and then in parentheses it says nervous laughter. So boy, I mean we got we got responses in and this was a record setting question of the week. We got more responses than we ever have before, which just shows people are tuned into the quarterback position. They know Drew Locke is a possibility, and like we just found out, they are all over the place on how they feel about him.
0: Yep. Everyone's locked in for the off season. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> locked in. I see what you did there, Dre. All, all right. right, well that's gonna do it for us. But before we take off, let me tell you about total beverage and what if i told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app have it delivered to you the same day and save money while doing it well that's exactly what i'm telling you total beverage delivers to most of the metro area from wheatwich wheat Ridge to erie and they have the lowest prices in the state plus they're locally owned and operated so you're helping out the local guy and you know we love the local guy For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use code BSN10 to save $10 off $50 for all of your parties and have it delivered to your door. Download the Total Beverage app and use code BSN10 for $10 off your delivery order. That's BSN10 on the Total Beverage app to get $10 off your next liquor order. Well, Dre, I loved rolling with you again today. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Stay tuned. Make sure you check out the new site when it drops, bsndenver.com. Ryan's got an article ready to go uh, just giving us more insight on Rich Scangarello with quotes from potentially the Broncos' next QB coach, T.C. McCartney. So make sure you check that out. Uh, We're here this whole offseason to bring you the best coverage of the draft, of free agency, of this coaching staff, and this week, of the Super Bowl with Ryan out there in Atlanta. Thank you all for rolling for us this week. Dre, thank you so much for rolling with me. Until tomorrow, this is the BSM Broncos Podcast.